Life Audio. Hey there, welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Nunnery, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here with us today. Now, before we dive into today's fantastic discussion, I want to take a moment to remind you to show some love for the podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave us a review and rating on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us reach even more homeschooling families with valuable content. So take a moment after this episode to leave a review. I would so greatly appreciate it. Now let's get into today's conversation. I am delighted to have a dear friend and a favorite speaker at Teach Them Diligently, Ginger Hubbard, back with us on the podcast. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Mom, and the new Teaching Children to Use Their Words Wisely book series for children. Ginger speaks at parenting conferences and homeschooling conventions all across the country, and she co-hosts the Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast. Today, we're going to delve into the world of children's teasing, exploring the motives behind it, the impact it has, and how parents can guide their children towards using their words wisely. So grab your copy, tune in, and we'll dive right into this helpful conversation with Ginger Hubbard after this short break. Hey, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast. I am thrilled to have Ginger Hubbard back with us today. Ginger is a longtime friend. She is a favorite speaker. I teach them diligently. She's been there more years than not as we've been producing, and we missed her last year. So glad she's coming back. Ginger, welcome to the podcast. I am thrilled to have you. Leslie, it is always a blast to be on with you. You're just one of my favorite people in the whole world. And so uh, it's always an honor when you invite me to come on and, and chat with you and encourage your listeners. And yes, I'm super excited to be back at TTD this year. I was just telling you it left a hole in my heart not being there last year. I just love TTD. It's one of my favorite events. I love the people that come. And it's just such a, I think it blesses me way more than it does them, <laughs> me getting to be there and chat with everyone. Yeah, just just incredible. And, you know, I was thinking as I was preparing for our conversation today, there have been so many times through the years that God has used you through a conversation, just sitting down in the exhibit hall or on a couch somewhere in a hall and just a special friendship that he's given. And I really appreciate you and Ronnie and your faithfulness and the way that you have ministered through the years, not only to the families that are there, but also to David and myself. And we counted a true privilege to serve alongside you. Well, thank you, Leslie. Ronnie and I feel the same way about you and David. Well, thank you very much. I am excited to dive into our conversation today because you have a whole new like focus of some of the writing that you're you're working on. You've done a lot through the years talking about the tongue and our words. And I want you to talk about that kind of as a setup, some of the stuff that you've done and learned that you've passed on to parents. But now I'm excited to see that you're actually packaging that in a different way. Can you tell us a little bit about what God has opened up for you before we dive into really a specific conversation today? Yes, absolutely. Well, as a conference speaker, I have had the privilege of listening to parents all over the country talk about parenting and some of the issues that they have 
just in the day-to-day struggles of parenting and expressing their heartache over their inability to help their children get a handle on tongue-related offenses like whining, lying, teasing, which we're going to talk about today. It just seems like so many children today are in bondage uh, to just an enslaving addiction of the tongue, and those addictions stem from enslaving sins of the heart. Parents are looking for ways to uproot these sort of issues, address them from a biblical perspective, and point their children to Jesus, which is our only hope for change. So as you said, over the years, I've written parenting books and been speaking at parenting conferences to help parents do that. But I also wanted to write children's books to help children be able to grasp these same concepts in really fun ways. So my co-author, Al Roland, had some really creative story ideas to help us do that. Well, that is awesome. You know, so many times I feel like these these tongue troubles, these words, you know, the, the things that enslave us, it's such a slippery thing to go from lighthearted, you know, just having fun with one another until it really goes beyond and having the discernment to to know how to head that off, how to teach our children really what the boundaries are, what is healthy, what is good and uplifting and encouraging and what goes into negative territory. So I look forward to hear what you have to say, what you've learned in your study and how you're able to present that in a way to help children understand it. Because like you said, we're going to talk about teasing today because that's one of the things I've got four kids that can you can go from good old fun to combative real fast with teasing. Yep, you can. That's right. It happens before we know it. And sometimes we don't really recognize what is appropriate teasing, what is not. Obviously, there's teasing that is hurtful. There's uh, I'd say the most common forms of teasing are mocking, which is intimidating someone for the purpose of making them appear or feel stupid or silly or ridiculous. Then there's teasing in the form of insulting, which is verbally ridiculing or belittling someone for the purpose of making them appear or feel inadequate or less significant. But whether the teaser is criticizing, belittling, or making fun of someone in a joking way, biblically, teasing falls under the category of unwholesome talk that does not benefit the listener. In fact, unwholesome talk does just the opposite. It tears down the person being teased, which is a direct violation of God's command in John 13, 34, to love others and his command in Ephesians 4, 29, to build others up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you when you categorize it in that unwholesome talk, it it really ramps up the importance of it and and helping people understand why it's not OK, I think is a good place to start, you know, how is that kind of teasing truly harmful to relationships, to the the person being teased? What what are some of the impacts of that? Well, like I said, you know, it just it makes them feel less than and we are called to build others up. And so I think, you know, what we need to do as parents is really learn how to identify the heart motives behind children teasing. Yeah. And I have identified Three, there's probably more than that, but I think that there's typically three common motives behind children teasing. Motive one is that they're doing it to get attention. Motive two is that they're doing it to entertain. 
And motive three is that they're using teasing as an excuse to say, uh, you know, whatever it is that they really mean or think or believe is true. But then they just tack on the whole, I'm just kidding, which is, which is actually right. a lie because they really were not kidding. The get out of jail free card, silly. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and there's a scripture about that. And so all three of these motives, if you if you really evaluate them, are all selfish in nature because they all bring a form of satisfaction to the teaser, but it's at the expense of hurting someone else. So one telltale sign that teasing is for the purpose of getting attention or entertaining is when there's an audience involved. But it's selfish for children to put their own need for attention above the needs and feelings of others. We're told in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, that we are to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Well, yeah. And so often I think that that need for attention, even, you know, we're talking about getting to the heart of the matter, what's really going on. So often you're going to find that 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 need for attention, there's there's layers beyond that, too. Why are they suffering for attention? Why do they feel like all eyes need to be on them? There are so many ways that these types of behavior should prompt us as parents to start asking the questions that truly get to the heart of what's going on. Right. That's right. So that's why we, you know, we want to do what we just talked about. We want to identify those heart motives behind the teasing. So I think those three uh, are a good place to start. Oh, absolutely. Getting attention, entertaining, use it as an excuse to hide behind what they really want to say. I think those are are really insightful, too. And and I, it's not just for children. You know, I think us as adults are generally more sly with it. But uh-huh. I would think that if we were honest with ourselves, a lot of us fall into that those same three traps at any given time as well. I think so, too. And especially the one where we use teasing as a means to express how we really feel. Yeah. You know, but it's deceitful to verbalize what is true in the heart and then play it off as teasing. Proverbs 26, verses 18 and 19, clearly address that issue. Those verses say, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. The Bible says that we are to say what we mean and mean what we say. According to Matthew 5:37, we are to let our yes be yes and our no be no. That verse also warns that anything beyond that is not good. In fact, it says it comes from the evil one. And, you know, some children use teasing or joking to send hidden messages because maybe they lack the nerve, just to be honest, to come right out and say what's really on their hearts. Then when they're called on it, they backpedal with the I'm just teasing sort of statement. But the I'm just teasing really is a falsehood because, in fact, they spoke how they really feel. They were not teasing at all. And then other children, I think, maybe just have difficulty expressing their true feelings simply because they don't have healthy communication skills. So they mask their true feelings by teasing and joking. I've seen that a lot. But whether this kind of teasing derives from a lack of nerve or a lack of healthy communication skills, it still lacks the merit of truth. We're told in Ephesians 4.25 to put away falsehood. And verse 15 says that we are to speak the truth in love. So the bottom line is that biblical and unselfish communication involves speaking truth in love, and it encompasses the motive to bring good, not harm. 
After a short break, we'll be right back to talk even more about this. Yeah, and you know, you've thrown out so many scriptures there that would be so good to go back and actually be able to study, be able to dive into and really meditate on. Is is there a place that we can access those scriptures? You know, because I would love to to make sure everyone knows where they can find them because there's so much truth there. And if you're not really searching God's word with that in mind, I fear that you're just going to kind of skate over some of those things. And yet when you just tied those to what you were talking about, they were truly helpful. So I would love to to be able to make sure that people know where those are and are able to dive in more. Yeah. So in the back of the children's book that I wrote about teasing, um, it's called Sean and His Amazing Shrinking Sister. Uh, there is a parent page. And so all of these scriptures that we're talking about that pertain to teasing can be found on that parent page in the back of the book. And so, plus, I'm assuming you can put some of that we're talking about in your show notes so folks could go to your show notes and and look up some of these. But I think it's also good, Leslie, not just to talk about the scriptures, you know, that talk about putting others first and, and letting our yes be yes and our no be no, not saying that we're just joking when, in fact, we're telling, you know, what was really on our hearts. But I think it's also good to find examples of scripture where we see real examples of teasing. And because that's going to give us those stories in the scripture is going to give us a better understanding of why God takes offense to teasing so seriously. Second Kings chapter two tells the story of a gang of boys. It was actually 42 boys, to be exact, who were teasing the prophet Elisha about his bald head of all things. Yep, I remember that story. <laughs> Yeah, so Elisha called down a curse on the boys in the name of the Lord, and then two bears came out of the woods and mauled the whole gang. Now, Leslie, I would not recommend that particular story to be read to kids at bedtime. Probably not the best Bible story to read right before they go to sleep. But I will say that it's definitely one that would get their attention. The moral of the story is that to ridicule Elisha was to ridicule the Lord. The severe consequences the boys suffered as a result of teasing, those consequences were God's warning to all who would criticize his creation. See, that gang of boys, they were yelling, you know, really mean things. They were yelling, get out of here, Baldy. That's what the scripture says that they were actually yelling at him. But it was God who created Elisha's bald head, just as he created us all with different personalities and characteristics and appearances and interest. And so a lot of the moral of that story is that to make fun of any aspect of the unique qualities of God's creation is to criticize the creator himself. Proverbs 17, 5 says, whoever mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. So children are not to tear one another down through hurtful teasing that dishonors God and, and, and like we said, hurts other people. Instead, they are to encourage one another and build each other up as God commands in First Thessalonians 5.11. Yeah, so, so, so helpful. So much to think about there. And actually, it kind of makes me want to move into really practical help for the parents. How have you kind of found or what strategies have you discovered or, you know, do you talk about to really help children overcome this habit and learn how to treat others in a way that builds them up rather than tears them down and is is based on teasing? 
Well, I think there are three things that parents can do, probably a whole lot more, but I've identified basically three steps that can really help us get to the heart of teasing, help our children understand it from a biblical perspective, and then really point them to the help of Jesus to help them build others up. And so, Leslie, you've heard me say this so many times, you're probably sick of it. But step one is always what I recommend, heart probing questions. Asking questions helps children take ownership for the sin that's in their heart, which helps them recognize their need for Jesus. Now, as parents, we do need to remember that we cannot judge the motives of our kids' hearts. Only God knows the true motives of the heart. But we can certainly ask questions to help them evaluate and take ownership for the sin that's in their own hearts. So a parent might say something like, honey, now in the Bible, we're encouraged not to do things out of selfish ambition, but to value the needs of others above our own. So you know, honey, could it be that you are putting your need to entertain or to get attention above the feelings of the person that you're teasing? Other questions might be something along the lines of, are your words showing love by building others up or are they tearing others down? Or maybe how would you feel if you were being teased in this way? And we need to keep in mind that even children who clam up and don't want to answer these questions, they're still, we're still helping them to begin thinking. They're still thinking about those questions. They're thinking about what's right and wrong and what does and does not please God. So even when they clam up, they're still pondering those questions and they're answering them in their heart, even if they're not verbalizing those answers. So uh, step two is to reprove the child for teasing. I encourage parents not to overdo reproof. Uh, Just keep it very simple. Parents might use wisdom from Matthew 7, 12 by saying something like, sweetheart, we're told in Matthew that we should treat others the way that we want them to treat us. Would you want to be treated this way? When you tease, you're using unwholesome talk that dishonors God and hurts others. And Ephesians 4, 29 warns about this. That verse says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And then step three uh, well, we always teach them what to put off, but then we always want to carry it that step further and teach them what to put on. So step three is to train them to edify others. The second part of Ephesians 4.29 is a really great verse for teaching them to speak words that edify and build up. So for what to put on, you might say something like, honey, not only are we commanded to not allow unwholesome talk to come out of our mouths, but the Bible says that we're to speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You know, the words that you just spoke, they're really not benefiting others. They're hurting others. But the good news is that when God gives us commands, he also enables us through his spirit to follow those commands. So let's pray. Let's pray together and ask God to help both of us to only speak words that will benefit and build up. So practical and so helpful and such good instruction for parents that are are navigating this learning how to to truly go for the hearts of their children and and I could not agree with those three steps more you know we we always start with questions questions prick the conscience accusation hardens the will so going in and and asking questions that get them thinking is so powerful because so often as a parent you find out that what's at the root is not what you would have gone for had you just come in with guns a-blazing. And God is really, really good to use those times to direct even our parenting efforts and give us a deeper understanding of our kids. So all three of those, just very, very practical steps. And I appreciate your sharing those with us so much. Questions prick the conscience. 
whereas accusations harden the will. Oh, that's good. I got to write that down. That's good. Yeah, I learned that. I learned that when I was counseling at a Christian camp when I was, you know, early in college. And that's one of those things you don't ever forget. And that was one of the most profound things through our parenting career was just going into every situation with that in the back of my mind, that in the back of David's mind. And the times that we didn't, the times that we just came in with accusations of blaring, we didn't get very far. There was yep. a lot of friction that didn't need to be there because that actually undermines your ability to to give good reproof and training because you've missed that first step of kind of setting a setting the whole situation on a better footing for the training and helping them out of the hole that they've created. Mm, that's so good, Leslie. Yes. Well, I, amen. Amen. See, the stuff I learned when I was a kid, always coming back. <laughs> but, you know, it's we learn so much through stories. And so I'm so glad that you've started creating these stories for for children to help them learn these truths. I want to talk about your Sean and his amazing shrinking sister book for a little while. Tell me, how does that book help children learn why teasing is hurtful? And and how does the story really introduce the the alternative of building building other kids up? Well, in the story, every time Sean teases his sister, she shrinks, which represents how tearing others down makes them feel small. And it's not until his sister has gotten so tiny that she's almost gone that Sean realizes the harmful effects his teasing has had on his sister. So as the story progresses and Sean asks her forgiveness, his relationship with his sister is restored. Of course, her size returns to normal. And Sean learns why God calls children to build others up, not tear them down. So so object lessons are so powerful. And actually seeing physically the sister shrink helps children and actually helps adults as well better understand the the power of our words on people. And so uh-huh. I, I love that. Now, in the story, I know that Sean didn't, didn't just get that uh, habit of teasing on his own. How right. do you handle kind of where that came from and what lessons we can learn from that? Yep. So in the story, Sean picks up on teasing from his mom and dad. So they are setting a bit of a bad example there, as we all do sometimes. I was just getting onto one of my children for complaining about something. And it, my, one of my adult kids, when the day before, they said, well, you know, Mom, you got back from this trip and you were complaining about yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. We're told in Matthew 7, 5 that we need to remove the plank from our own eye and then we can see clearly to remove the speck from someone else's eye. There's one thing, Leslie, and you know this as well as I do, that we all have in common with our kids. We are sinners in need of a Savior just as much as they are. We need God's rescuing grace and help just as much as they do. And, you know, it's encouraging for our kids to hear us say that. As parents, we really need to be more honest with our kids about our own struggles, um, of course, at age-appropriate levels. When we admit our own sin and our own need for Jesus to our kids, it encourages them to do the same. And so that's one of the things that plays out in all three of the children's books. That's so good. I was thinking as you were telling the story of your your complaining call out there by one of your kids, several years ago, I said something about somebody and one of my kids was like, well, that wasn't very kind, was it, Mama? And just kind of kept walking after, you know, kind of putting a dagger in my heart (laughs) because it wasn't. 
And, you know, I, I confessed that to the Lord. I went and had a conversation with that child and, and acknowledged and actually thanked them for that very gentle reproof. They weren't being smart alecky. But I thought later, how many times did I say that to them through the years? You know, that wasn't very kind. How do we uh-huh. speak? We, we speak kindly. And that had made such an impact that they recognized it just like that. And right. they were able to, in turn, give me the exact same reminder and counsel. And I, it was such a blessing to know that those lessons had taken root and had become their own, even, even though I had to be on the receiving end of the question and the reproof there. Right, right. But what I love about what you just said there, Leslie, is that when your child did gently bring that to your attention, what did you do? You repented before the Lord. And not just that, you went back to your child. Absolutely. And you said, you know, you're right. That was wrong. Thank you. I've asked the Lord to forgive me. Sometimes we even need to ask our children to forgive us. And what the beauty of that, what I love about how you handled that is when you did that, You were representing what the you were modeling what the conviction of the Holy Spirit looks like and how to rightly respond to that conviction. So even when we blow it, whether our kids call us on it or not, take those moments to model for them what a personal relationship with Jesus looks like in day to day life. Because what an example we're setting there, even when we blow it, God even uses the times when we blow it to do a work in our hearts and the hearts of our kids. He is so good in that. And and it's always a good reminder that your walk talks louder than your talk talk. As you are living out your Christian life in front of your children, they can see they they are so in tune to what's going on inside of you. It's it's amazing. They know your struggles. They know your weaknesses. And God can use those very things because probably they're going to struggle with very similar things. They came from you. So Uh to be able to model for them what happens when your tongue gets out of line or what happens when what's in your heart bubbles over when you don't really want it to because you need to really Uh deal with what's in your heart. It is so impactful for them. And it's one of the privileges of being a parent that is focused on discipling and going for the hearts of our kids because God really, truly grows us and redeems those moments even when we fail and we get to see it, which actually is is really encouraging even in those times of failure. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Well, tell us a little bit more about your Teaching Children to Use Word Wisely series. How many other titles do you have? What other issues of the tongue or words do you actually deal with in those stories? Okay. Well, so uh, we've been talking about Sean and his amazing shrinking sister, which is about teasing. There are two other books in the series. One is Sam and the Sticky Situation, and that's a book about whining. And so in that story, Sam figures out that he's able to get what he wants when he whines. So, of course, what does that cause? More whining. Uh, So during a trip to the fair, Sam finds himself in quite the sticky situation when all of his whining leads him to being covered in cotton candy from head to toe and then stuck on the top of a Ferris wheel. And then after a series of super silly events that not only affect Sam, but also everyone around him, in the end, Sam learns that nothing he wants is more important than pleasing God and that there are better ways to communicate than whining. So that's Sam in the sticky situation. And then the other book is called Chloe in the Closet of Secrets, and it's a book about lying. So in that story, for every lie that Chloe tells, this crazy little fluff appears, and Chloe tries to hide her lies by stuffing all of these fluffs in her closet. 
And it's not until that closet is so full that it's ready to burst that Chloe realizes that her lies are hurting her relationships. And so in the end, God uses Chloe's dad confessing his own lie that he had told and asking God to forgive him to encourage Chloe to do the same. Wow. Great stories, great hooks, great illustrations of those issues that are are so easy to struggle with. So many of us do. What, I know we talked earlier about the fact that there are verses, there's a kind of a parent's guide. What all does that parent's guide at the back of those books actually have for parents to use as they're, as they're using these to disciple? Yeah, so each book has a parent resource page in the back for parents and caregivers that supplies biblical content and uh, all the verses we talked about and practical strategies for the problem at hand. Like we talked about those three steps, all the, those three steps will be in the back of each book for how you can deal with each one of those behaviors from a heart-oriented and biblical perspective. And so, uh, for example, the parent page at the end of Sean and His Amazing Shrinking Sister, the one we just talked about about teasing, um, that helps children recognize the heart issue behind teasing, the harmful effects of tearing down others, and the benefits and blessings that come from adhering to God's command to build others up. Well, so where can... Where can families find these books, first of all? And then I want to to find out, I know that you you wrote your books in in a rhyming cute. They're just they're cute, they're easy to read, they're super fun. Why did you go with that style? So where where can they find your books and and why did you approach these stories in a in in a rhyming way? In a rhyming way? Well, let me address that first. I, I just think it's easier for kids and even adults, for that matter, to remember words when they're written in rhyme. You know, think about it, Leslie. I don't know about you, but I can listen to a song and if it's catchy, I can listen to it just two or three times and then I know the lyrics by heart. I could recite several Dr. Seuss stories to my kids without even opening the books because I'd, you know, read them several times. But in the rhyming words, you know, they were catchy and easy to remember. So just after a, a few reads of like a Dr. Seuss book, you know them by heart. And yes. nothing against Dr. Seuss, but it's far more beneficial for words based on the truths of the Bible to be in our hearts and, of course, the hearts of our children. So where can they find these books? Um, they can get all three of these books on my website, which is gingerhubbard.com. And I don't know when you're airing this, but through, throughout the holiday season and probably on into January and February, we are offering, really for Christmas, we're offering a deal where if you buy all three books, you get $10 off. It's called the Bundle Deal of the Children's Series. You can get $10 off. And then, Leslie, for your listeners, if they use the code PARENTING at checkout at gingerhubbard.com, I'll also give them an additional 10% off that already great special. So yeah, they make really good Christmas gifts for your kids, for your grandkids, for your nieces and nephews. Great for birthday gifts, baby showers, that sort of thing. We're going to a baby shower this weekend and that's what I'm taking are the three books. So, uh, but anyway, so yeah, that's where they can get them at gingerhubbard.com. And uh, maybe you could put all that discount information in your show notes so people can access it. Absolutely. That's, that's so generous. And I am really grateful, really excited. I've, I've, uh, been starting my collection of little kids books just to have around here since my kids are all getting married now. So yeah, um, I'm going to have to take advantage of that for my own personal library too. That's right. It will not be long before you'll be plopping those grandkids on your lap and reading them books. (laughs) Exciting times, exciting times. Well, Ginger, 
I am so glad that you are here. I I would be remiss if I didn't have you tell a little bit about your own podcast before we go, because I know that that has been such a help to so many people. I want to make sure that if anyone hasn't found it yet, that they know what you've got going on over there. Because if you're looking for sound parenting advice, wisdom helps, Ginger's got it for you. So tell us where we can find that, Ginger. Oh, well, thank you, Leslie. Um, It's called the Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast. We air a new episode every week. And we are, my host, Katie Morgan, and I are super passionate about helping parents reach beyond outward behaviors, address the issues of the heart, and point their children to the transformational power of Christ. And then uh, from a practical standpoint, what most of our reviews talk about is an appreciation for how passionate we are to help parents really move beyond the frustrations of not knowing how to handle all of these different issues that kids struggle with and into a very confident, practical biblical heart oriented approach to raising their kids. Well, and if you if you listening in ever wonder why Ginger is such a good match for teach them diligently, she just laid it out for you. Her view of parenting and the way that you go for the heart and you equip parents to disciple well is so akin to ours and that's why God has knit our heart for all these years and why we're so excited to have her back and teach them diligently this year. So Ginger, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. It has, as always, been such a joy to see you. Thank you, Leslie. I can't wait to see you in Pigeon Forge, uh, Tennessee, and Branson, Missouri. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us today. I am confident that you have gotten a lot out of this. Be sure you check the show notes to get all of the links that she talked about, but I will send, or I'll give you all of that information about the discounts and the bundles and all of the things so that you can get those for your library, give them as gifts, uh, whatever works best for you. And then definitely, definitely make your plans to see Ginger and us in May in Pigeon Forge or Branson. You can go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash events to get your tickets now. We would absolutely love to see you there. And I believe it would be a massive game changer for your family, both for your homeschooling efforts, but actually for your parenting, your discipleship efforts, your marriage, your relationships with other moms, and so much more. So get your tickets, make your plans to join us there. We can't wait to see you then. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more, so check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Mm -hmm.